Hey, listen, I want to tell you a little bit about a family that had only two children. I say only two. I'm sure that's a lot if you've got two children. But when you've got five, I'm like, only two. And they had a little boy called Noah, and he was six years old. They had a little boy called Moses, and he was three years old. This is clearly a godly family, isn't it? Because they have real biblical names. And uh, it was Christmas morning, and they were sat with their parents, with the mounds of presents in front of them. And Noah was here and Moses was there and they're looking at the presents. And before they were allowed to open the presents, uh, their dad said to them, whose birthday is it today? And Noah, age six, very proud of himself, shouted up, it's Jesus's birthday. And the dad said, that's right. There was a moment of silence. As Noah sat staring at the gifts in front of him and looks up and suddenly shouts, Oh, mummy, I'm Jesus! (laughs) I'm pleased with the response because my jokes are often tumbleweed, so I went out on a limb telling that one this morning. Okay, let's say this like we mean it. I am a child of God, so I am entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, belief, and be changed by his word. Amen. I was at the gym the other day. Um, That sounds like I was being really healthy. I wasn't. I was going there for a meeting. And I walked past somebody, and they they had a T-shirt on, and it caught my eye, and I was like, how true that is. It says, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. We don't do Sunday events. We don't just turn up here at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning to kill time. We turn up here at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning to be changed. To to be changed by the words of God. To be changed by his presence. To be changed by his, his spirit being present with us. To be able to listen and hear that small whisper into our spirit of what we need to know. To have that peace injected into us when we gather together. If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And if I get up and give a word today that doesn't challenge you, then all I am giving is a speech. And I don't want to get up and give a speech. I want to get up and give something that will challenge you to change you, to grow you, to better you because of God and who he is. I want to be challenged and changed and sometimes that hurts and sometimes it's tough. When I go and do physical exercise, which is not my favorite thing to do, it challenges me and it's tough and sometimes it aches and sometimes it hurts, but it is expanding me and it is enlarging me and it is getting me fit and it is keeping me healthy. And you know what? Sometimes, church, we need to look at stuff that's going to challenge us. Well, we always need to look at that stuff that's going to challenge us, but we need to be intentional to go along with the challenge because it will change us for the better. It will give us a better life. It will give us the things that we need because when we are being challenged, it means we have opened up to the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to stir us where he knows we need it. We're in week three of our Relationship Rescue uh, series, and I was thinking about often when we preach, we can preach a message of what do we do once we leave this place, okay? Once what happens beyond the four walls of this building. But today I want to talk about what happens within these four walls. 
our focus is often very out there. And we can treat this like an event that happens on a Sunday morning. But something happens within these four walls. God has placed something within these four walls that is life-giving. And sometimes it's easier to look beyond and miss what he's placed within us. And what happens within these four walls, the gift that God has placed within these four walls, it isn't disconnected to without, outside the four walls. It is something that continues. This is Relationship Rescue Series. I have been in Hope Church my whole life, or since it began, behold, the whole life of the church. I've been here. People have seen my ugly years when I was a young person. I was driving to church this morning with Charlotte in the car, and one of the things that I do is once I've prepared my word, I, I record myself speaking it. That sounds really, Barry goes, you just like the sound of your own voice. I don't. But because I listen to it, I'll go to sleep listening to it. Uh, so then it's going in, it's going in, and, and it's really sinking into me. And, and I had it on the stereo as I was driving into church this morning. And, and something came up about my ugly youth years. And our Charlotte, she's seven, Charlotte, she turned to me, she went, Mummy. In this house, I have displayed some ugly behavior. I have locked youth leaders in rooms. I kid you not. Be thankful that you are a youth leader in 2019 and not when I was 13 years old. This is a bit Charlotte was horrified about. I locked youth leaders in rooms. I was cheeky. We went on a Christian holiday once. Me and my mom and Auntie Stella was with us. And in the, in the, like the cafe area, somebody actually said, who does that girl with the black hair belong to? And my mum would not admit. She went quiet, hoping someone else would take one for the team. Like, I'm not just talking like I was a little bit bad behaved. I was wild. But I did it in the house of God. And my mum... She had a firm line with me at home. She had a firm line with me. I mean, she planted stuff into me. From 12 years on, it was me and her. Like, she had to take one for the team because like, I was all she had. You know, I, well, there was other children, but she was all I had. Auntie Stella, I'm sure, gave her great support over my bad and wild years. And I'm sure even as the pastor of the church, she sometimes wanted to disown me, but she knew that everybody knew I belonged to her in the church. So when we're in Italy on holiday, this is an opportunity for to, to disown me. And she actually sat there hoping somebody else was going to step up and go, she's mine. <laughs> and it didn't happen. She just kept quiet. And I did notice Auntie Stella didn't step in and go, she's mine. They both disowned me. I was an orphan while I was on this holiday because of what I was like. But what I want to say is, in this house, I have grown in God. In this house, I have, I have journeyed the ups and the downs. I have journeyed letdowns and I have journeyed hurts. But I just kept turning up. The only time I didn't turn up was because what I did was I began to look at how I expected people to behave rather than who God was. I just kept turning up. I learned some tough lessons in this house. I've cried many tears in this house. But I kept my eyes on Jesus in this house. 
and he's the one that grounds us and he's the one that brings us through. I've seen God's faithfulness in this house far more than any of the downs I have seen God's faithfulness. I have seen God's provision from belonging to this house. I have met my husband in this house at a time at a time when I didn't think there was anybody for me. And I actually laid down my dream of marriage and children because I said, planted in the house of God I will be and I will serve you all the days of my life. Because after my years of wandering away because I had expectations on people, I came back and I said to God, I am all in. And I am all in for this house. I have raised my children in this house. I haven't raised them myself. I haven't just raised them with Barry. I have raised them with people in this house. Jeff Mullen can tell you a story or two about my children. Joyce can tell you a story or two about my children because they have lived, Joshua's laughing. (laughs) They have lived their lives in the house of God. I have made some of the best friends I could have asked for through being in this house. In Psalms, it says this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. So as much as we like to look beyond the four walls, today I want to look within the four walls. We aren't a Sunday event. We are a family. Me, Barry, and Sophie, Adam, Joshua, Eleanor, and Charlotte, we are the Cross family. But we are Hope family. We are Hope family, a place to belong. In this family, we all look a bit different. And we all behave a bit different from time to time. But we are Hope family. This is God's design. We are God's great plan for the world. But what happens within the house is as important as what happens without the house outside the house we can go outside the house and evangelize and reach the lost and that is absolutely right and we should be doing it but what are we bringing them into the hope family what are we bringing them into in this house is everything you need you know something if it's not here now maybe you just don't need it yet for me when I wanted a husband God brought him along for me. And in the time leading up to that, I just kept serving the Lord. God will bring along what you need. But currently, where we are, there are friendships, there are relationships, there are opportunities that have been God-given for us because this is the place we all call home. And we call a family. It is God's provision to us. In this family are friendships and relationships that are God-given just for you. We're talking about relationship rescue. And we can look outside at how we expand our relationships and grow our relationships. But I want to say today, let's look at how we expand and grow our relationships within the house, within the family where God has planted us. My sermon title today, I don't like calling it a sermon, my preaching title, but it's called Invested Over Interested. Invested over interested. You see, when you're interested in something, it is something that grabs your attention. 
you're observing what's going on. It's like it's caught your attention. You're like, there's something. There's something about this place. There's something, there's something going on here. An advert will grab your attention on the telly. You'll become interested in something that you might see on the television. But being interested doesn't mean that you've been invested. They're two very different things. You see, if you're just interested, you will observe other people growing. You will watch friendships forming. You will watch people and think, but I don't have somebody to hang around with. I don't have somebody that I sit with in the cafe. I don't have somebody that I feel that I can go and connect with. When you're interested, you'll watch others laugh together. When you're interested, you can look on and think, is there an inner circle in Hope Church? Because I don't feel like I fit. What I want to say today is be invested over interested. Because when you are invested, you invest time into each other. Being invested in something. You see, you can watch an advert on the television that can sell something to you and it gets your interest. But unless you actually go and you are proactive and physically get involved in that thing or physically purchase that thing, it will just be something you are going to watch from afar. But the minute you have that thing in your hand and you bring it home, it is an investment. You have invested into it. And I want to say today that there are relationships that you may be missing out on in the house because you are sitting in the house and turning up on a Sunday morning and you are interested rather than invested. When you are invested, you put time into each other. You invest emotionally into each other. You actually say, hey, listen, we're going to take the rough with the smooth. You're actually a friend who walks the journey, the good and the bad. We invest in each other by going the extra mile for each other. By supporting each other, by encouraging each other, by championing each other, by doing life with each other, by laughing together, by crying together, by cheering each other on. There's no in crowd at Hope Church. If you're sat feeling like there's something you're not breaking into in friendships and things like that, I want to tell you, it's not a click, Hope Church. And it's not an in crowd. The secret is you're just watching people who have invested to harvest well from where God has planted each of us in the Hope family. This is where he wants us to be. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Yeah, we should do good to everyone. Like, yeah, you, that's God's heart. We all get that. But then it says this, especially to those in the family of faith. This is the family of faith. This doesn't just say do good to everybody. It then says, but hang on a minute, I need you to focus a little bit now. Because what I want you to do, I want you to especially do it to those in the family of faith. In this family, we would invest in each other. That we would do good, we would look out for each other. There are friends here for you. 
But we can wait for the friends to come to us when actually the key is to be a friend to others. I know this is a really practical message this morning, but sometimes we can, what's the word? We can think that the breakthroughs of our lives will just come through talking about salvation and the Holy Spirit and baptism and, and fasting and prayer. But actually, everything is spiritual. Because God has given us the practicalities of friendships and relationships that we would know to harvest well. And this is where he's placed us to do that. When I said I went away for a few years from God was because I looked at other people and had expectations on other people. Maybe you're sat here today going, yeah, okay, I have been turning up interested. But actually, I want to be a part of what I see going on here. I want to be a part of the laughter. I want to be a part of those that sit together when you can see that one of them is hurting or one of them is crying. Or I, I want to be a part of that. There's a couple of practical things I want to let you know in advance. Maybe you're somebody who's already invested here and this might be good for you to hear. We aren't perfect. My only real downfall in life was not because of something God had done. It was because I looked at people and had expectations on people and missed the fact that they weren't perfect. But my God is. You know, families have bumps in the road. Me and Barry and Sophie, Adam, Joshua and Eleanor and Charlotte, we have bumps in the road. But I don't walk away from my family because we have bumps in the road. I don't go, I'm done. That I am done. Just because there's been a bump in the road. You see, it's how we manage and deal with the bump in the road. That's all it is. It's just how we manage it. It's not the bump in the road. It's how we handle the bump in the road. And within this house here, it's how we handle those things. Not, oh my gosh, there's a bump in the road. Oh my gosh, somebody's hurt me. Oh my gosh, somebody said this. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect, therefore I can't expect you to be perfect. I'm going to let you down. Therefore, I'm going to have to understand that sometimes you're going to let me down. But that doesn't mean there's something wrong with the Hope family. It means we're a family. And there's some bumps in the road. We don't walk away just because something gets a little bit tough. We stick together. We do good to one another because we're part of the household of faith, because we're part of the family of faith. In fact, we look beyond why somebody may have done what they've done. We look beyond that. We, we go, okay, is there something going on here? Is there something I need to know? You know, church, I have been around the block for many years being in this church and mixing with Christians. And I have made some mistakes over the way I have handled things. But I share this today because my heart for this house is that that never needs to be a problem because there is this, a difficulty between somebody. Because that's not how God works. That's when we get in ourselves and we start to look at people. And I want this house and Barry wants this house and anybody else who is invested in this house to be a healthy house. Bumps in the road aren't unhealthy. How we deal with them determines whether it's healthy or unhealthy. 
Don't panic about the bumps in the road that will come in being invested in this house. Focus on how we deal with them. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. That means we don't get off with there's a bump in the road. We don't start to cause problems and tittle-tattle about it when there's a bump in the road. We look beyond the bump. Conversations, communication are a great thing to have. I've seen so many people fall off the path because they've ended up in bitterness, because they've never had the communication and the conversation with the person that needed to have it needed to be had, but I want communication to be at the front, healthy communication to be at the front of this house, right at the center of what we do. We need to be doing things differently to how things are displayed in the world. We need people to say, hey, you know church? You know Hope Church? You know the house of God? You know, the family of faith, wow, when you walk in that place, it's oh so different to being in the workplace. Oh my gosh, I used to work at the hospital. Oh, wow. I don't want the church to be like that. Jesus doesn't want the church to be like that. We need to be displaying things in a godly way because then when we take things beyond the four walls to reach the lost, we bring them in. We bring them into somewhere that they are learning how to do things well and how to conduct their lives well. How do we deal with things when someone gets it wrong? This is really practical. How do we deal with things? What does God say? For a moment, how would you deal with something if somebody in this house affected you? How would you deal with it if somebody in your own personal home affected you? Would you get off and leave them? Would you stop believing in them? Would you give up on them? Well, in this house, when people get things wrong, we don't give up on them. We keep believing doesn't mean that we just paper over cracks it means we have some conversations and the great thing is God always instructs us on how to do things in a godly manner if somebody in this house does something to upset you or offend you I want to tell you what the Bible says on how to deal with it you see Jesus loves us he loves us so much and it says in his word love like I have loved he didn't give up on us. He didn't say, you're too bad to die for. I, I was sat in a meeting, um, and a preacher said this, and, I, oh, gosh, it really struck me. And he said this, you lost the right to be offended the moment Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I was like, wow. He said, because he wasn't offended by you. He went to the cross, and he died. Knowing everything you were going to do, you lost the right to be offended the moment Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. So how do we deal with things when things go a bit wrong? Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 and 16. 
This is from the message translation. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. Another translation says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If he listens, you've made a friend. He says, in another translation, you have won that person back. This is a bit of in-house keeping. The Bible says, if somebody does something to upset you, don't take the huff and walk away and send a text to your friend. I don't mean the one that's hurt you, by the way. I mean your other friends. Don't go and try and blacken the character elsewhere. It says go privately. Privately means without anybody else knowing. So nobody needs to know what has gone on between you two. Nobody needs to, go to know if somebody has upset you or you disagree with somebody. You don't need to go and talk about it. doesn't need to go on social media. Go and talk to them. Tell them what they've done. They may not even know. We need to look beyond what these things are. He says, if he listens, you've made a friend. You've made a friend. First instance, anything that happens in this place, please don't come and tell me and Barry about it. Because we're going to ask you, what did that person say to you when you spoke to them? Don't turn up on a Sunday and tell other people why you're upset with that person before you go and speak to them. Go and speak to them. Go and speak to them. If somebody comes to tell you about something that somebody has done that you believe is wrong, I want to say to you now, me and Barry want to say, ask them this question. What did that person say when you spoke to them? And if they say, oh, you say, you need to go back. That can sometimes be a little awkward and a little bit difficult, but hey, listen, if we want to be a Bible-based believing church and we want to do things God's way, God's way, let's not just pick the fluffy scriptures. Yeah? I have seen people in bitterness, in gossip, and I've seen what it's done to them. It's destructive. That's why God says there's a right way to do this. But then it says, if you go to that person and they won't take what you're saying, there is another plan. If he won't listen, take one or two others along, not so that you can bash him over the head. It says so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. Try again. We don't just give up. We try again. We go again. And even then it says, it doesn't say go and tell everybody. It's very, very clear. Take one or two others along. That means that once you've done the one-to-one and nobody else knows about it, then you pick one or two other people to go as a witness and still nobody else knows about it. So now... It's gone from the being two in the circle, you and the person, to the being three or four in the circle. It does not then jump to the being ten in the circle. And you go again, and you try. Because the heart of this place is for reconciliation. 
The heart of this place is for reconciliation. We are bound together because of Jesus Christ. That's what binds us together. We're not here for reconciliation. We're not here to retaliate. We are here to reconciliate. We are here to love each other. And then it goes on and it does say that if then when you go to that person with your one or two people to try again and to try and bring unity, then bring it to the church. Now, we're getting to extreme measures when we bring it there, but God even says, okay, if we get to that point, we'll deal with it there. But first of all, let's do things right. Go in private to that person. Honestly, God doesn't bless gossip. And sometimes we raise the alarm before ever going and speaking to the person in private. And the raising the alarm is that we've got opportunity to sound off. Or we just want to let somebody else know what went on. But that's not how God says we do it. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 out the message say, let me give you a new command, Jesus said. Could you imagine that? Jesus is saying, let me give you. Wow. Jesus was stood here in person, Hope Church, and he was like, hey, I've got something for you. Let me give you something. If you want it, come out. I don't think there'd be any seats empty. Even if you're in here and you actually you don't believe in God, you just come into church. I think you may still come out. <laughs> Jesus is here saying, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone rec will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. There are friendships and relationships and connections that are in this house that are God-given for us. But right at the outset of saying, are you invested? For those that already are and those that are thinking about it, into investing into your relationships in this house that maybe for some are still waiting to happen. I want you to know there's going to be some bumps in the road and that's okay. But this is how we deal with it. This is how we deal with it. In this family, we bear with one another. In this family, we remember that we aren't perfect and nobody else is. In this family, we love in spite of our faults and our failings. In this family, we treat with respect. In this family, we are all in for each other. You know, when I was a wild 14-year-old, we went on a church holiday in the most derelict, run-down place. I think it was all we could afford. But we had some visiting speakers come for the weekend called David and Gillian Nellist. And in my naughtiness of climbing in through dormitory windows and running up corridors and knocking on people's doors in the middle of the night, Gillian Nellist gave a prophecy over my life because she saw beyond where I was at. She gave a prophecy over my life that I would be used by God in a powerful and miraculous way. 
And I know at the time people didn't believe that could ever happen because of what I was like. But in the household of faith, there were people that did good to me regardless. There were people who loved me regardless. There were people who were Jesus to me regardless. And a couple of years ago, I saw Gillian Nellist. I said, Gillian, do you ever remember when I was really naughty at knock? And he gave that prophecy over me. She said, yeah, I do. She said, because I saw you how God saw you. Hope Church, let's see each other how God sees us. We don't need to be jumping out from this place because something goes wrong. We don't only need to be looking for friendships and relationships beyond these four walls and turning up to a Sunday event. (coughs) No, this is somewhere where we are invested. That means we don't just need to leave as soon as the meeting is finished. That means we don't just need to stay with the couple of people that we know in the main hall. Actually, that means we're going to walk down the corridor to a whole new world (laughs) called the cafe where you can sit with somebody that you don't know because they might need you. Thank you, Barry. But a very good point. Because that person is in this family of faith And you are in this family of faith. And we are in this family of faith. Psalm 1, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners. Or join in with mockers. You see, this is where God's instruction of how we deal with in-house problems comes into play. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Church, let's be a family who together we meditate on the word of God day and night together. Let us be a family that in the cafe afterwards and throughout the week because out of being in the cafe and out of being at church on a Sunday, suddenly you exchange a number and then that person becomes a friend beyond the four walls, a life-giving friend. Let us be a church that is known for meditating on him day and night. It says this, those who delight in the Lord, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. Let's conduct ourselves well. Let's conduct ourselves in a godly manner. Look around, church. When the lights go up at the end of the service, look around. Be proactive. There's godly relationships to be had in the house. We are a family that we are inviting people to. Maybe for some people here, you need to put some stuff right with each other. Maybe you are here and it's challenging you, but it's it's challenging you to change you, so don't worry. Sometimes I've had to swallow my pride and go, you know what? The way I treated you wasn't right. Maybe somebody has upset you. Don't take offense. Go to the person and say, I don't even know whether you realize that that you did, it really upset me. If someone comes and says that to you, show compassion on them. It's taking courage to do it the, word, the way the word of God says. I would say to you, love large. Love large. 
in Hope family. Are you in a life group? Why not? What's stopping you from being in a life group? You see, in a life group, there are connections to be made in a smaller group of people. You will get so much out of them. In the next few weeks, we've got testimonies coming up about life groups. If you're not in a life group, there's a sheet at the back. You can go and fill it up at the, fill it in in the information point. Do you leave as soon as the service finishes? Be a friend to others. The household of faith. Especially to the household of faith. There are people here just for you. You just need to look. Amen.